Welcome to Love Your Family Again and Again and Again and Again, the podcast where we focus on parenting with love and clarity. I'm Dr. Marcy, a family culture expert who for over 20 years has been helping parents to create happy and strong homes. And I am joined today with Courtney, who is the mother of two and a wonderful wife. And welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So I know that you have a five and nine-year-old, but I would love for you to share a bit more about what your family is like, how y'all hang out, what what your day-to-day looks like a little bit. Yeah. I think um, like many families where there are two working parents, sometimes it's a little bit of like, you know, the a, a train without brakes <laughs> um, about to go off the tracks. The dynamic is with the nine-year-old, we're, we're sort of in this transition of little kid to big kid, right? And understanding how we support her in that endeavor and just seeing that fun personality transition and see her just really grow into you know being her own person more and more. Five-year-old is a young five-year-old adjusting to kindergarten, and he uh, has a lot to say and has a lot of very strong opinions about things from everything to food to um, his own rules in family gameplay. Our favorite thing to do is we actually really love to play games together. I think we're we're coming upon winter and holiday season, so we like to light a fire and and play our board games and hang out by the fire and and do that. So, is there hot chocolate when you hang out by the fire and play of games? Of course, okay, we do good. a lot of decaf chai. We do a lot of decaf chai. <laughs> yes, I I love that. And what's the favorite <laughs> family game? Uno is good because we have a little Hot Wheels car and for some reason has the Uno logo on it. I don't know where we acquired this and it's our family trophy. And so we rotate the family trophy. I love this. So not only are we playing Uno regularly by the fire, but there is a trophy for the winner per night. Correct. Correct. And we have every version of Uno. We've got Uno Attack. We've got Giant Uno. We've got Uno Flip. You'd be shocked how many Unos there are. I've only played a handful of them, but yes, there's there's quite an expanse from when we were kids playing Uno. <laughs> right. So I love this because I am also a game player. Who usually is in possession of the trophy? It's between me and my daughter. Mm, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you have any of the frustration of losing behaviors of, you know, your son getting frustrated when he's not in possession of the trophy? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So we, we have to let him win at least every other time. Mm. there's a little bit of letting him win a little bit just to build up that confidence yeah because he has to have the car the trophy I mean you gotta you gotta feel good occasionally but not Mm -hmm. all the time because they need to have that resiliency of losing and that's real life when they're with their friends to sometimes win sometimes lose that correct okay good but I like that you sometimes let him win because otherwise he'd never want to play because that's just not fun when you always lose correct yep So that's clearly not the big topic that we're going to chat about today. What's going on in your family that we could get you some tools and strategies around to make it a little bit happier and more fun? We've talked a little bit about the five-year-old in situations where it's challenging, whether it be the five-year-old being defiant or the kids are too hyper to go to bed. When one parent is showing frustration and you can sort of feel this frustration of your partner growing and growing and growing. And you can hear the voice from the other room getting louder and louder and louder. And you know, as a partner, that the way that your husband or wife is dealing with the situation with the kids is is now sort of past the point of being productive, right? We, we've said the thing, we've said the, 
the thing about five times and then finally we're yelling, right? As the person who's trying to support your partner, but also trying to support your kids, is it good to step in in those situations to help try and calm your partner? If so, what's the best way to do it without undermining your partner? I, I was saying this before to you, Marcy, that like I think your tendency sometimes when you hear your partner yelling at your kids, you want to step in and be like, okay, everybody needs a timeout, right? But it's also not productive to try and go in and parent your partner. So how how is it as a partner? Do you step into those conver- step into those situations and help and support everybody there and get everybody sort of more grounded without without the feeling like you're taking over, right? Yes. Okay. The very first thing to me in this conversation in every house where there is more than one parent, you will innately have different opinions, different perspectives, different strategies than your significant other, than someone you're co-parenting with. That's normal, that's natural and we need to recognize and acknowledge that first, that it's not about everyone doing the exact same thing. It's okay for your partner to do something different than what you would do. The second thing is to remember that this is a parenting question, not a kid question. The question isn't, how do I help my child calm down in that tantrum when my significant other is navigating it? It's how do I help my partner? How, do, how am I in relationship with the other adult in the house in that moment? And those are two different things, right? Happy to talk about what to do with your son when he's having a hard moment, but that's not this question. And sometimes we can pile them into one big thing and it all gets really mushy and confusing. In your house, it's you and your husband who spends the majority of the time around the kids. Usually me because I work from home and I just am inherently around more. Which is also important to remember that chances of you thinking that you have the quote unquote, right answer is really high compared to your husband because you are the primary parent. Two things to parse out about that. Your idea that you're right and he's wrong versus giving him time and space to figure it out and that being okay. It is less likely that this question usually comes to me from a parent who is the secondary parent, right? Whether it's that they work out of the house or that they travel a lot or that they just have long days this is usually a question from the primary parent because you feel like you have the right answer and you can help everybody and you're going to go in and fix it. All that said, here's what we do. The first step is recognizing that if you are not invited to the conversation, if you are not invited to the fight, if you are not invited to the dynamic, it's not your fight to have. So if you're in the kitchen getting dinner ready and your husband is in your son's room doing something with him and you hear the fight, stay in the kitchen. Don't go. If your husband needs help, let him know that he can call you in. So that if his thought is, I'm at a loss, I don't know what's going on, I am losing my ever loving mind, and this is going downhill fast, I need help, then let him from the other room say, Hey, Courtney, can you come in here for a minute? Set this up ahead of time that this is the agreement. But if he doesn't call you in, it's between him and your son. Really hard to do, but it's important to breathe through it. Because if you consistently go in to provide the correction, then the relationship between your son and your husband will always have you in the middle of it. And you don't want that. And they don't want that. So first step, don't go in. It's not your business. No matter how bad it gets, unless objects are being thrown and windows are being broken, you're going to let them figure it out. Now, if your son comes to you and is like, mommy, mommy, dad's being mean, you say, Let's talk to dad. Dad, what's going on? And you partner 
with your husband knowing that he is a good person who wants a happy family just like you do. And so rather than saying, oh my gosh, yeah, I heard dad yelling. He's losing it. He's really angry. Come, I'll protect you. Say to your son, well, let's talk to dad and find out what the situation is so that he has a chance to say, this is what's going on. And then just like you would if the two kids were fighting, you say, well, how can I help? So that they are dictating it. Because in the moment, you want to let them work it out. Really, really hard to do, but really powerful. And if you have the agreement with your husband ahead of time that he can tag you in or tag you out, then we don't end up with this conflict together. One of the important things to remember is that when parents are showing a united front to their kids, that is more important than the answer to any individual situation. So in the moment, you're like, oh my gosh, my husband's yelling at my son. He just needs to take a bath. I can't believe we're, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to this go on for 10 minutes. This is horrible. If you have to go in, you can go in and say, hey, does anybody need any help? So you're offering support without undermining anybody. And that if support is requested, you make sure you align with dad. So if your son is like, I just can't do it, you say, okay, well, dad, what did you say has to happen? What did you say is the requirement here? So that you don't come in and say, well, you don't really need to take a bath today. You took one yesterday. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And your husband who had kept saying, take a bath, take a bath, take a bath is now undermined. So how does all of that feel and land for you? I was not expecting you to go there. (laughs) It makes sense. I mean, it makes sense because I think there's this instinct, I think to your point, number one, that they're not doing it right, right? And then the instinct of the mama bear kicks in, right? Like, I don't want anybody yelling at my kid, you know? Yes. I know that's a sensitive kid. I'm. And to your point though, that in the effort to help the relationship, I'm actually hindering it because they have to have that capability to work through that communication strategy to work through those challenges. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. And so your mama bear instinct, I love. And if it was anyone other than your significant other who is a co-parent to your child, I am all for you walking in and you saying, you cannot talk to my child that way. Like, what do you need help navigating? Because that's not how you're going to get what you need here. Absolutely advocate for your child all day long. With a co-parent, have that conversation at another time. At the end of the day, when the kids are in bed or when they're at school, when they are far, far away from earshot, say to your husband, like, I love you. And the first thing you're going to say is, you did such a great job today doing A with the kids. And you're going to give him a compliment because often what happens is a primary parent will always be pointing out the challenges. And then the secondary parent feels deflated, defeated, and incapable. So you want to start with a compliment of like, I know that you were trying so hard to get him to take his bath. And I really appreciate that because it meant I could get dinner ready. And that was awesome. Right? So you show the, the encouragement and then you say, you know, I know you had a hard time and, and I heard the yelling. What can we do to, to change that? Because I know that that's never going to be successful here. So can we talk about other strategies? Now, when we're problem solving, whether it is with our significant other or with our kids, it's often we want to like pull apart. Why did you do that? That was wrong and bad and horrible. And But none of us feel good when we are shamed and blamed in our worst moments. Because my guess is your husband doesn't want to be yelling at your kids. He just doesn't have another tool yet. Yeah. So problem solving, whether it's with a co-parent or with our kids to say, how can we do that better next time? 
all of a sudden has a whole different feel and is like, oh, yeah, that wasn't great of me. And so that you get to have all of that corrective conversation that you, all that knowledge you have about your kids that you want to be better away from your kids' ears, away from that experience. What do you think about that? I think that that's amazing. I think that it opens up the conversation to talk about so many things beyond just the parenting. But I'll say that it also brings, you know, one of the challenges we continue to have is, you know, we came from a generation, we're Gen X, a generation of, of parents who yelled. And it was like a joke in my house. You you slugged it out and you hugged it out. And then you just, we never, we never talked about it. It was just like, you just yelled and then it was, it was fine the next day. We realized we don't want to raise our kids that way, but we also don't have an example of how to do it another way. And so I like that prompt that you've said to say, like, how can we do it better next time? Because we don't feel like we know that roadmap yet. Like we're still figuring that out because we we haven't seen it exemplified for us, right? You can listen to all the podcasts and the read all the books in the world. And you're still sort I'm still sort of stuck in this in-between phase where, you know, there was children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And how do I raise my kids to to be able to think for themselves and have autonomy and there's this weird in-between space that I personally believe our generation is facing on how to parent them differently in a way that's effective. And having that conversation brings us back to figuring out what works for us. Yes. Yes. I love all of that. And it also, what you highlighted is the difference between cognitive knowledge and applied knowledge as well. Knowing that I need to get him to get in the bath And I have no idea how to do it. Like there's this gap between what I know and what I do. And part of it is finding these these strategies. Yeah. Yeah. And so in my private practice, I actually go into homes. I do weekend intensives with families where I like come in and show you what it looks like because it's not easy to make these changes. Yeah. But the one thing to remember is that you and your husband have both said, we don't want to do it the way we were raised. We want to do it differently. So in those moments, when you hear him yelling, know that he's doing it because he doesn't know what else to do, not out of malice to hurt your kids. And when we can remember that, it becomes much easier to not like walk in and tear our partner apart, but walk in and be like, oh, you're lost. This is hard. You're only doing what you saw because that's what happens, right? We we do what we know. The other amazing thing about this that I want to highlight is we have to go first. So you just pointed out that changing behavior is hard. Like the the way you know how to be in the world, the way your husband knows how to be in the world, how to parent is really hard to change. And often we're asking our kids to stop tantruming, to stop yelling, to stop doing the things that we're doing. And we have to go first. So if you want your son to stop yelling, then you and your husband have to stop yelling at each other and at the kids. And that idea of what what would you want your son to do when he's frustrated? Well, that's what you need to do when you're frustrated. What do you want your son to do when he's angry? That's what you need to do when you're angry. And so if you and your husband start problem solving from that place of, well, what do we want our kids to do when they feel, you know, fill in the blank with the emotion? Okay, well, that's what I need to start practicing. Thinking about this, but that you're actually demonstrating it to them. Feeling frustrated means I'm going to walk away and ask for help and I'm going to send mom in because I don't know what to do anymore. It means I'm going to say, you know what? Let's go get a glass of water together and come back and revisit it because then we can think more clearly. 
know, I'm going to say, you know what? (sighs) Let's take a deep breath together because I don't want to yell and I'm on the verge of it. But we can only do those things if we stop and we problem solve, which is the other thing that I think might be a great plan is for you and your husband to find a time every week where you sit down and have these conversations intentionally, right? You are full-time working parents. You have two children, which innately makes your days and your life very, very full. And when you're just grabbing moments to have these types of conversations, they end up not being as smooth as possible. And as much as intention as you want to bring to your parenting, you just don't have the time because it's not planned. But if you're like, look, every Sunday night, once the kids are in bed, you and I are going to sit with some decaf chai and have a 20-minute conversation about what happened that week and what we want to do better next week. Now you have an intentional place to start building from. Yeah. No, I, li- I like that idea. And, and I think if we have the expectation we're going to have that conversation, then there's almost an accountability component to it as well. Um, because, I mean, even if he's not holding me accountable, I don't want to have to go and hold myself accountable and have to review the mistakes that I've made the week before. None of us like reviewing our mistakes. No. But there's power in thinking about how can I do it better? What can I learn from this past week and do better next week? Yeah. Or try to do better next week because I might fail again. But if part of the conversation can be highlighting for each other what went well and you raise each other up as parents, it also makes it more delightful to co-parent with somebody. Because so many of the parenting conversations are, you did this wrong and you did that wrong and we have to do it this way. And did you sign the permission slip? And how could you forget that? And so if you start sitting down and going, okay, I'm going to come up with three things that you did great this week, but you stop and you think about what are the three things that I saw you do good with our kids? Let's start there. And then it becomes easier to want to change. Yeah. And then if you want to get real crazy, you can have a family meeting with the kids. And that can be, you know, a five or 10 minute meeting over breakfast Sunday morning, where you're like, what was great this week? What do you want to change as a family this week? What didn't feel good to you? What felt great to you? I'm a big fan of doing both sides and then asking them, what can we do better? What can you do better? And what can we as a family do better? So that your kids are also thinking critically, not just that was hard, but what skills do they want to be fostering and growing for themselves? Mm-hmm. We we do that at the dinner table every every night. The rose, what's the rose and the thorn of your day? But we do it in the context of their individual independent lives, right? And so the thought of doing that is, how do we talk about the rose and the thorn of our week collectively as a family, as a unit, as a team? I think that's an interesting dynamic for sure. Hmm. I will admit, I'm not such a fan of the thorn because. I think that our kids will always tell us what's bad about their day. But if we make the thorn a learning possibility, a perspective shift of this felt really hard, but I'm going to think about it differently next time, it becomes a teaching tool. Whereas if it's just a space to complain, which is how I've seen it demonstrated in many families, it's it's hard to learn from. So I would encourage you to create teaching opportunities from that too. Mm -hmm. But I love the rose part. Taking notes. I love when people take notes. It's helpful. In the busy day-to-day lives, there's just so much happening that we forget if we don't write it down. And I'm hoping that that first meeting with your husband about what you're going to do differently, you're like, okay, I got notes. I was on a podcast and here are my notes. Let's talk about which of these things we're going to move forward with. 
because when we try to do too many things at once, right, you read a parenting book and you get all these ideas and you're like, I'm going to do everything. And for like three minutes, you're like, I'm the best parent in the world. And then the rest of life hits and you're like, I am the most overwhelmed parent in the world. And you don't do any of them. So just well, do one you, at a time. you lower the bar over time. You lower the bar over time. And yes. and those parenting books, you do one of the, you know, you know, one of the the things that they recommend. And once it doesn't work the first time, you're like, okay, this doesn't work on my kid. And then you you forget about it. <laughs> yes. But I like the fact that you're telling me to deal with my husband. I feel like that's a little bit more. That's, you know, at least I'm dealing with a rational adult. Yep. Yep. You're dealing with another grown-up. Uh, who has more wherewithal and capacity to make changes themselves, which is great. And I will say that I think a lot of the parenting challenges do come down to the adults making the changes. That uh, in my practice, I do more parent training than I do working directly with kids because our kids are responding to what's around them. So if something's challenging for them, it's what can we do differently to help them? Because they either need to learn something or we need to change the circumstances. But a lot of kids have really big feelings that they don't know how to feel in a way that is productive. So, you know, we end up with tantrums and we end up with things that feel really hard. Well, so how do we teach them to do that better? Or how do we change the circumstances so that they have more space and time or understanding of what's going on? But most of the time, I think the solution is from the parents more than the kids. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you, since we were talking about just doing one thing, if we were to have one takeaway from our conversation, what's the one thing that you're like, yes, I'm going to go do this? It's step off. It's to just, it's to back out yeah. and to let, let it work itself out and let my co-parent parent his kids. Yes. I love that. And what will you do to keep yourself capable of not being in the room? I will find a distraction with other said child or I will go for a walk. I may have to remove myself for a little bit. I love that. Take but a shower. The, yes. Put ear pods in and have yeah. a dance party in the kitchen. Yeah. Good. I love I love that you have the the whole plan because sometimes we just like stand outside the door and start shaking. And I yeah. want that to no. be your experience. Yeah. I mean there's and there's an element of control too. So um I think that there you have to do something that allows you just to disengage. Yes. Perfect. All right. Yeah. I love this. Any last thoughts for those listening that you want to share? I don't think anything in particular as much as I love the idea of having these touch points as parents. I think we talk a lot about like having these touch points as a couple, which is important too. But I think that, um, but they always tell you, you know, don't talk about your kids during that time. But I feel like in this particular case, being able to support your co-parent really is a couple's connection opportunity. Um, if my partner feels supported by however I allowed him to manage the situation, that's going to help us as a couple as well as co-parents. Absolutely. And there are definitely times and spaces that you need to connect with your partner. But if you don't carve out time to talk about your parenting, then how could you possibly get on the same page? Yeah. It's like expecting to work with a co-manager and never to talk about the business. That's just, that's not how that works. Yeah. We have to have conversations in order to bring intentionality in. So I love that point. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining me. This has been a great conversation and one that I feel like I have with so many different families. So thanks thank for, for having me. 
Thanks yeah. for solving my problem. It's what we're here for. We do it together. And I'm excited to hear how it unfolds. Yes. And thank you listeners for taking the time and being with us. I know that your time is precious and limited and grateful that you shared it with us. I'm curious, what's your one takeaway from this conversation? Share it in the comments on my website, drmarcy.com. Would you want to be the first to know when episodes come out? Then go to drmarcy.com backslash podcast and sign up for my mailing list. Want to be a guest on a future episode of Love My Family again and again and again and again? Then go to drmarcy.com backslash podcast guests and let me know. Finally, do you need individualized help with your family? Do you want to have a private session with me or someone from my team virtually or in your home? Then visit drmarcy.com backslash contact and reach out. Remember, blue skies are ahead and we are going to get there together.